At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Welcome to the heart of American innovation manufacturing might. This is Ford and mad money comes from the Motor City now. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to a special Invest in America Motor City edition of Mad Money. Coming to you from Ford's Michigan Assembly Modification Center, where I'm honored to be joined with some of Ford's finest. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to help make some money. My job is not to entertain, but to educate, teach, put it in context. Call me 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Wall Street. Wall Street can be so dense sometimes. Times like now, where the market has spoken. And it doesn't care for the likes of Ford Motor. Where we are right now for our Best in America show. Because it only has eyes for Tesla. The idea that there could be two auto companies worth investing in, one that's fully automated for electric vehicles, and one that uses lots of humans to make iconic nameplate cars and trucks, is considered sacrilege and hazardous to your portfolio. Only one works, and that one is Tesla, which rallied more than 5% today. Even on a bad day for the averages, Dow lost 245 points, SP declined 0.47%, NASDAQ dipped 0.16%. But you know what? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You see, I don't think that Ford and Tesla are mutually exclusive. There's no zero sum here. I think there's real value here in Ford. Buy, buy, buy. More value than is captured by its $14 share price, even with that 4.2% yield. More value than its agreement to use Tesla's charging network that allowed the stock to jump three points since late last month. More value even than the possibility of an earnings explosion as the internal combustion engine business spews cash towards Ford's future electric dominance. Do not get me wrong. You got my blessing to own Tesla? Yeah, you can do that too. Because it's got incredible growth potential, Rivian just joined its charging network today. Perhaps another reason for Tesla's 14-point gain. But my charitable trust has chosen Ford. We own the stock of Ford for the club. Why? Because I want value. So far, it's only been okay. All right, I get that. But from what I saw today with my own eyes and what I've heard from CEO Jim Farley, I think American ingenuity and innovation here at Ford are undervalued. Undervalued versus Tesla. And possibly even everything else made in America. Undervalued things like, like this. You see, like my desk, like this soundboard, which is being powered tonight by an F-150 Lightning made by the great people at Ford Motor. And maybe that's what's wrong with this market. It doesn't care about anything outside of tech. And because Tesla's considered a tech company and not a manufacturing company, Wall Street acts like it's not hostage to the broader economy. While Ford's just one seething Mustang Mach-E right here, trapped 
by the Federal Reserve. Somehow they forgot it's an automaker. I know, I know, eyes can be deceiving. Maybe I'm staring into an abyss of cars and trucks that look like they'll be sold now, but only won't find buyers. Because why? Because the Fed's made financing too expensive. Maybe Ford stock only seems cheap, but in a month, the collective bargaining begins with the United Auto Workers, and that could sharply uh, maybe lead to higher wages, perhaps even a strike. And that would make a mockery of the current estimates on Wall Street. Walter Ruther might be dancing his grave. But Tesla? They're aggressively non-union and mostly automated. Wow. Now, today was a microcosm of what both ails and helps the market, especially stocks like Ford. Just as the rally in Tesla seems long in the tooth, we've got still one more turbocharged move in this market's undisputed leader, and that is NVIDIA. Remember, own it, don't trade it, wouldn't name the dog after it otherwise. When you see NVIDIA roaring up 11 bucks today, you know the same narrow collection of artificial intelligence stocks will rally right along with it. NVIDIA has broad shoulders, though not broad enough to hold up the entire market. It's almost as if it's by rote. We hear rumors of huge orders for NVIDIA, all related to its only game in town, high-end graphics cards that have taken the world by storm since chat GPT surfaced last November. I believe the rumors. Why? Because right now, NVIDIA's stock seems really expensive. But if this is like the NVIDIA of old, the actual earnings will come in much higher than expected, and the stock will look cheap in retrospect. Now, I am concerned about the increasing narrowness of the market. I've cautioned you that I don't like this kind of ridiculously narrow action with really only two leaders. Two leaders, Tesla and NVIDIA. Like we're nearing the end of the Magnificent Seven when most of the heroes are dead. Are these Steve McQueen and Yul Brenner? Who knows? We know that the narrower this market gets, the less likely we'll have another leg higher. We also know there are tons of Fed officials speaking this week, and they seem totally at odds with each other. I bet they did nothing last week simply because they don't know what to do. There's no consensus. Maybe next month we'll be on the same page. Maybe they won't until they get to Jackson Hole in August. More on this Fed discord later. Remember what's the biggest sticking point with the Fed? The ever-rising price of housing, which is fueled by a robust labor market. We have a true shortage of houses in this country, perhaps as many as two to four million. The home builders have been reluctant to build more homes for fear of being stuck with them if the Fed gaffs the economy with higher rates. That would jack up mortgage rates, which would crush the earnings of the home builders. But today we learned they're finally putting up more homes. More homes than we thought, 1.6 million rather than 1.3 million Wall Street was expecting. If they keep that up, maybe we can finally put a dent in housing inflation. And that would be a real change. Something that would let the Fed put a stop to its relentless rate hikes. If we get a combination of high unemployment and cheaper housing. Maybe the Fed can stop tightening without having to obliterate the entire economy. The fabled hard landing scenario where indeed there's nothing stopping us from getting an incredibly nasty recession. Ford certainly needs this cessation of rates to happen. Remember, most cars and trucks are bought on credit and the cost of financing keeps soaring. At what point does it get high enough to price out most buyers, especially the small, medium-sized businesses that are the bedrock customer base for the F-150 and the wildly popular F-150 Lightning? I say we don't want to find out. You might ask yourself, why is Ford stock all caught up in this minutiae of the Fed? Why, for example, does it matter what Jay Powell says when he's, fed, when he's grilled on the Capitol Hill when he's built both tomorrow and Thursday. And that gets us full circle to what you're up against if you own the stock. You may look at all this manufacturing might making these iconic products for years and years and years. And you might figure there's demand for all the products they make so the profits will keep on them because the stuff just looks so fabulous. But the fact is, if the Fed goes too far with its rate hikes, it's this place that gets hurt. That's always been the case. Wall Street's betting. It will always be. Something it just doesn't consider when it comes to the stock of Tesla. Is that fair? Well, as you watch tonight, you can decide. We don't think of fair or unfair when it comes to managing portfolio. We just think of value with a real catalyst and a CEO who's about to change a culture so that the company can make money in any environment. 
That's what I see happening here. Bottom line, if I'm right about Ford, this stock could get back to its high of 25, where it was in January 2022. But if I'm wrong, I have to tell you, I think the downside, I'm calling it minimal. That's right, minimal. Investing is all about managing risk and reward. At these prices, I'll take Ford over Tesla any day. And believe me, I like them both. Let's take some questions. Hi, Jim. My name is Elizabeth. How are you, Elizabeth? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Yes. Great to be here. So I work here at the Michigan Assembly Plant as the environmental engineer, and I'm really excited and proud of the products that we make here at the site. So my question for you today is, given our current climate, how would you invest $1,000? $1,000. Okay. I am a very conservative person, so, so if you gave me $1,000, it would go in an index fund. I know that people would say, well, listen, why don't I put it in this stock or that stock? But I am, in the end, someone who wants diversification on the first $10,000. So I know it's boring, but I got to do it that way because I don't want to encourage too much speculation. So boring, yawn, S&P 500 index fund. Thank you. Right. Wish I could be more exciting, but that's not what the game's about. Yes, sir. Hey, Jim. My name's Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, too. Um, you know, as a retail investor, I like to take my profits out and put in blue chips, kind of like millennial blue Sounds chips. Sounds good to me. I like Starbucks, Google, Meta, Hasbro. But I've been on the fence about Palantir for a while. Ever since I've been buying it, it's been losing. One of my girlfriends said that it might be an evil company. But what do you think, Palantir in the long run? What an interesting question. It was downgraded today by someone who went too far, went too, far too fast from 10 to 16. I went over that quarter nine ways to Sunday. That was the first good quarter they had. Really good people are telling me to go along with it. I say you buy Palantir. I think it goes higher. Good question. Good question. Thank you. Another one. Hello, Jim. My name is Olin Price, 29 years at Ford, Hunter Alignment. I'm new to the market. Um, haven't did a whole lot of investing. Okay. Um, testing the waters with Cash, our app see how it goes, and I want to know what's the best way to really get started. Okay, I have to tell you, and I know this is going to sound like it's child's play, but when I hired people at my old hedge fund, I did a paper portfolio. I said, you guys, what stocks do you want? And they would thought I was going to buy their stocks, but I was trying to get their feet wet so that they knew what it was like to take a loss, they knew what it was like to have a good high from a good stock and not cut it off when they should have just been ka-ching, ka-ching. So I suggest you watch some stocks on paper. It's okay. I mean, I know you're going to see something that went up too much. You say, oh, my God, I only did this on paper. But that's how you have to do it until you feel comfortable. Then once you did, you can buy your first one. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Hello, Jim Kramer. My name is Kenya Burrell. I've been with the company for 23 years. I'm currently working as a government regulations coordinator. I have a few questions. One, is it a good, do you think it's a good time right now to be investing in stocks? And also, do you believe that we're nearing the end of the recession? And lastly, where do you see the market in a year from now? Okay, it's a great question because what's happened is, is that uh, a lot of what's happening in the economy is driven by the Federal Reserve. It's really boring. I wish it weren't the case. But it is. I can't fight that. But I think the really good companies are going to transcend that. And I think that you're going to be fine in stocks next year at this time. But I would say right now, hold back a little. I've been telling people, don't put a lot of money to work right now. We just had a huge run. When it comes in, we can do some buying. But not all at once. That never works. Thank you very much. All right, listen, you heard me. I'm going to take Ford over Tesla any day. And believe me, I like them both. On Mad Money tonight, we're coming to you straight from Motor City. We're here at Forest Michigan Assembly Modification Center. And we have a special two-parter with the CEO, Jim Farley, that you do not want to miss.
Kramer, Jim Farley, coming straight from Dearborn. Born! Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits and features like four times membership rewards points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. So you earn more where your business spends the most. Plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible business purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist, you can continue to run your business with confidence. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Enrollment required. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Brought to you by Eden Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eden Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at EdenVance.com slash CNBC. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at EdenVance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured, offer no bank guarantee, may lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency, not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. We're bringing you tonight's show from Ford's Assembly Modification Center in Wayne, Michigan. More than 4,000 employees come to work every day to build Ford's Ranger trucks and Bronco SUVs. Earlier today, I got a chance to speak with Ford Motors President and CEO Jim Farley at the company's test track in nearby Dearborn, where we got a deep dive into the future of the business. Take a look. Jim, tell me why this is such an iconic place, a place where you talk about as being where the Industrial Revolution began. Well, just a few miles from here, Jim, we have the Rouge plant, Henry's idea to vertically integrate. He brings iron ore in from the Great Lakes, and we make cars like the F-150. You know, he built uh, this test track. It's the first test track in our industry. We have Greenfield Village over there. Um, Thomas Edison and he inaugurated the Henry Ford Museum right there for innovation right behind us. I mean, this is, this is, the, this is Henry Ford's home. But it's also your home. Yes. Or at least your grandfather's home. <laughs> yeah. My grandfather was a very humble factory worker, uh, started with the company, you know, in the early teens uh, and worked in all the early facilities here. So he was a really hardworking guy who, who worked on the line every day. Well, you're a hardworking guy and you're in at a time when obviously there's a tremendous amount of turmoil in the industry. Yes. I have to ask you, Lincoln famously said, a house divided cannot stand, but you have to make uh, do 
with an internal combustion engine business that is fabulous and makes yes. a fortune. Yes. And at the same time, you've got to transition to electronic vehicles. Yes. How hard? It's hard because they're actually different customers. Uh, that's why we split the company into three places because I, I, I saw the company struggle with trying to do everything every day. And that focus and frankly, accountability of the financial markets to turn our EV business into a profitable business, I, I thought was, we thought as a leadership team, the key thing. It's not easy, but the secret at Ford is something that people don't talk about, which is our pro business. I mean, we are the dominant player globally in commercial vehicles. And we should talk about the fact that pro is EV in the sense that it gets, yes. even gets the subsidy. Yes, that's right. Your whole line yes. is a subsidy. $7,500 for every customer, regardless of where the batteries are made. Uh, we're now the number one EV pro commercial brand in the U.S. No surprise because we're like 50% of the market. Right. But, but, you know, that's as a, investors, people, I think, will be surprised at the durability of our earnings on pro. Now, they don't. Okay, yes, pro, I know you're going to have to double what you do, but yeah. you're, dou you're doubling production. Yes. Yes, that, we and are. that is because of raw demand. You have demand yeah. right here at M manufacturer's price. Yes, because what's happening, Jim, people don't realize it, but they will. It's the, the backlog of construction projects and small, medium-sized business. They're really busy now. 90% of the, of the commercial business for us, even the software we sell, is for mom and pop, small, medium-sized business, plumbers, electricians, HVAC people, you know, emergency, police, those people are buying vehicles in with order banks that we have not seen in a decade. Okay. How many people are new to Ford? Well, on the EV side, about 60%. It surprised us, frankly. I didn't think that was going to happen. Like on Lightning, 60% of the people are also new to a pickup truck. So it's a bit of a surprise to us that we've been able to conquest that much. You know, but now the volumes are growing, so it's going to be harder and harder to do that. Okay, so let's talk about the financials for a second before yes. we get to, to the trucks and the cars. There is a belief that your costs are $7 billion higher than the competition. There's a belief, and you said it, and does, your CFO said it, that frankly, you've not performed. Why should we now believe your very aggressive uh, free cash flow figure, which is almost double what Wall Street's looking for? Yeah, well, first thing is no problem, big problem. Like you have to understand, we have to, we have to be very clear with investors what we have to change at the company. The first thing we wanted to do is say, we have a cost problem. Now, a lot of CEOs don't want to say that, but I want to say it because I want every employee and every investor to know that's our priority. We have about eight, per, eight points of margin on the blue side that we have to turn around. Most of it is cost. It's warranty cost, it's material cost in the vehicle, it's structural cost, and, and we're working on it. I mean, big time. We think for it to be durable, it's a culture change in the company. Well, at the same time, speaking of culture change, you've got a new union leader. Yes. Now, the union leader is saying things like, we're here to come together and ready ourselves for the war against our one and true enemy, multi-billion dollar corporations and employers who refuse to give us our fair share. That does not sound like a culture change to me. Well, all I can say is I have never, ever thought of our employees as the enemy. They're our team. We bet on America. We have more American jobs than anyone in our industry by like 20 percent. We make 100% of our pickup trucks in the U.S. None of our competitors can say that. 
So, you know, the only way we are going to transform this country into a sustainable EV industry is going to be working together. Dividing people is not going to work. Okay, but Lisa Drake, your vice president of EV industrialization, said that there can be a 30% reduction in labor versus internal combustion engines. Again, that sounds like something that when the negotiations start, and it's supposed to start one month from right now, will be a sticking point. Well, I think that's true, actually, and it's technically correct. But the, the, the thing that we're doing, the oil industry, but especially Ford's doing, is vertically integrated. You could take that labor hole on the assembly side, and if you make motors and gearboxes and other EV components, everyone's going to be busy. So that's technically true on the assembly side, but our strategy is to vertically integrate, not just for the labor, more importantly, for the cost and for the expertise. Does that get rid of the complexity that that has really dogged your company for ages? Yes, yes, but there is more on complexity. We have radically changed the complexity on consumer-facing choices. We give customers way too many choices, choices that they don't even want to make. Is it true that you one point had almost a million choices? Yes, yes. Well, that's true on F-Series, I know. And it makes no sense. We cut it down to like on our new Blue Oval City truck, it's going to be like six choices for the truck. That may be too, too less complex. So what people don't understand, and even in our company, is we have sequencing center for parts. We got four different colors of seatbelts. You know, the, the carpeting in the vehicles had three different colors. It's totally unacceptable. That's one of the biggest things we're changing, actually, a couple years ago. On complexity. Okay, Kill so us. you've got this terrific guy, the Chief Advanced Product Development Technology Officer, Doug Field. Yes. He is talking about you having unimaginably great products. His words, what does yes. that mean? That means that we can ship software to the vehicles and make the vehicles perform in ways that we don't understand. You're laying out cones on the highway. The vehicle actually drives itself. The operator gets out of the vehicle and, and drops the cones themselves. They don't need two people to do the job. A vehicle that diagnoses the problems before they happen, predict the failure components, those all are possible with the way we're designing the and platforms. And how many people are taking the software package? Uh, we have 600,000 subscribers. So that's a profit center. It's a huge profit center. And it's durable. It's not like the past where we sell a vehicle, maybe we don't in economic times or gas prices go up. It's changing. The industry is changing. The, the revenues are more durable. Now, it's small volume, but half a million subscribers paying for Ford suffer now. Okay, so let's talk about the competition. This weekend, Bill Ford's talking about the Chinese coming here. Yes. The, are you, and he says, we got to be ready. Yes. How ready are we for a commoditized product, which I know you don't like, that yes. comes in well under everyone, and should they even be allowed here? Well, it's a good debate. It's an important right? question that you're asking. I, I think, first of all, people need to understand, investors need to understand that the Chinese are like 60 to 70% of all electric vehicles sold on our planet are in one country, right? All the processing for the raw materials for certain kind of battery tech is done in China. And the president so, said this Sweden doesn't like that. Can, yeah. you, can you wean yourself off? 80% is we made can. in China. We can. It, you know, there's, there's a lot of options we have, but it's hard work. We're spending $50 billion on this transition, Jim, and we have to localize the processing. We have to localize that. Now, it's pretty tough to start a mine in the United States. Right. So, so, but, but Canada has their act together. A lot of FTA countries are, are more than happy to take Ford's business. So we, we have signed about 90% or 2 million raw materials we need for 2 million EVs. We signed all those deals now. Most of them are FTA countries. Even the CATL battery 
that's going to be made in Marshall, Michigan, we're, those those will be actually localized raw materials. So I, I think it's a big transition for the industry, but we can do it at Ford. Okay, now when we come back, we're going to talk about, about the competition domestically. Uh, we will uh, address certain issues that, that I know you've watched. My friend David Craver did an excellent interview with, yes, with yes. the putative enemy, but yes. we'll have a lot more with Jim Farley in a moment, including your partnership with Tesla. Yes. We'll go everywhere. Okay. Thank you. Coming up. You sure you don't want to drive? There's plenty of tread left on these tires. Kramer's just getting started with Jim Farley and Ford. Next. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise, dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S. An outproven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Welcome back on our talk with Jim Farley. Jim. I follow your stock very closely. As you, yes, the yes. stock had a radical move, three points. It may have been your market's day, which was really exceptional, yeah. but it may have been your deal with Elon Musk. Yeah. What is this? It did pop that day. Uh, you know, look, I have no problem being opportunistic when it comes to advantaging my customers. <laughs> and, and, you know, EV adoption really does come down to when we go into the mainstream, you know, charging infrastructure when you're on a road trip. And we really like the locations and the reliability of their network. We have the largest charging network already before Tesla. But putting 12,000 fast chargers on the network on your Ford Pass app with your Lightning is going to be even better for customers. So I didn't really, our team didn't really hesitate because it's, it's good for customers. Well, and frankly, when you go to a charging station, it's a social experience. People don't realize it's a lot like gas stations in the 20s. And people go, oh, that's a Ford. I thought everyone had to buy a Tesla. Look at that Mach-E charging over there. Maybe I should look into that car. Well, you sound like it's a Trojan horse, but at the same time, you're dealing with a guy, a messianic figure. You yes. saw that in the interview with David Yes, Faber. yes, yes. I mean, he does, he, it's, it's zero sum. He yes. thinks of you as an internal combustion engine company that's yeah. trying to do something EV. Yes. Is he respected in the talks? Was there any respect? I think he is respectful, but more because of Henry Ford than Jim Farley. And, you know, okay, but, but, but the, real, the reality is America loves an underdog. And, and we, we, are, we are the market leader for EV trucks and vans. And, and we know those customers better than anyone. Well, can, and, it, and if he wants to design a cyber truck for Silicon Valley people, fine. But I designed a truck, and I know how to design a truck. You're telling me that his truck but, will not be a natural to take hundreds of thousands of, 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 of your share? I don't think he designed the truck for that. No. no our, Was it a boutique product? What is it? Just some sort of mascot? It's a Lamborghini. 
<laughs> wow. Ford, but, but it won't be $450,000. I, mean, I mean, no. What I mean by that is no, it, it's don't. like a, a cool high-end product parked in front <laughs> okay. of a hotel. But I don't make trucks like that. I make trucks for real people who do real work. Well, <laughs> and, and that's a different kind of truck. Well, can you beat them also one day? Well, like Toyota this weekend said, listen, we think we have one that can go 900 miles. I yeah. mean, are you going to beat them on charging time? Are you going to beat them on distance for a fill-up? Yeah, I think we're going to beat him on knowing the customer better. He doesn't have pro power on board like power in your house in Texas when the power goes down. We know these customers I'm so not, well. But a, a, a tailgate experience. Another one, yeah. Okay, so let's have a tailgate with your <laughs> with your lightning at the Eagles game, right? Or the Flyers game. We, we can do that. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is we know truck customers better than anyone on the planet. Well, then you you spent a couple billion on advertising. He doesn't spend any on advertising. If you know these guys so much, why do, why don't you just advertise zero? Well, I don't I, I don't think we need to do that because we can beat them on the product. Okay, that, that, and that's that's why we come in every day. Um, you know, we've been the best selling vehicle and truck in the United States for decades, not because. You know, we don't earn it. We earn it every day. These are really smart customers. Okay, but how many people who get uh, who ICE will transition to EV, and how many of them want to play with it where you can make the sound sound like ICE? You, I, you I, gave I, us that. I absolutely true. love it. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, there's actually a lot of a lot of car companies now who are trying to make their their EVs sound like an ICE vehicle, and that's fine. I, I look. I, I think there's probably 30 percent of the people who use the vehicles to commute. You know, simple transportation, uh, two-row crossover, maybe three-row crossover. They're they're gonna look at EVs because the total cost of ownership is lower for some people. But there are a lot of segments. That's why we have Blue and Pro. There are a lot of segments who aren't gonna go EV anytime soon. You're pulling a fifth a fifth wheel in Wyoming. You are not gonna buy an electric vehicle. But in 2026, your CFO said, "Listen, the margins are gonna start declining because of EV." I'm looking at you. I'm worried about the stock. You're yes. talking about how great the the Blue could be, but yeah. your CFO is saying, "Look out, margins coming down." Look. Don't worry about it. We got pro. Oh, don't worry day. about it. That's a great answer yeah, for someone sorry. who's a shareholder. All right. No, because we come in every day. We want to make that pro business a double-digit, you know, mid-teen EBIT business. It's not that today. It's we have a lot of upside growth. Our, our EVs are losing money. That's not going to be the case in, in four years. We're going to make eight percent margin. There's a lot of upside in the profitability, even if the EV uh, margin is a little bit less than pro. Okay, so a lot of growth. Well, we have trucks that we want to put in our backyard without wheels and feel like it's a terrific machine, I, as Field says you, you're going to give us? I think we're designing the vehicle in such a way that the value to the customer is that they may use it uh, and not have to drive it because of the value. Look, these have never been digital products. Never. Right. They're analog products. When we, when, as we're converting them to digital and ship software to them, people are going, oh, this is as cool as being in my house. You know, a lot of cool stuff can happen. What other product category can give you 45 minutes back on your commute? We can do that. At the same time, uh, you're a race car driver. Yeah. You are going back after more than two de decades. You'll be returning to Formula One racing. Yes. Does this talk about nameplate? Does it talk about iconic culture? Uh, I think uh, we're not doing it for a romantic version of the past. Okay. Uh, no, not at all. We like Liberty Media. We like how they're growing Formula One. We want Formula One drivers to promote our vehicles. We think these are the athletes in our industry. 
It's an endemic sport to our industry and the athletes like Max Verstappen and Checo, they are global icons. For them to say, this Ford does this better than this Tesla, it's good for our business. But but Tesla, when you go to the factories, obviously we've seen it. There are almost no people. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do that here, uh, it's questionable whether the union would say, listen, we need people in those factories no matter what, because it does seem like they want that, yes. versus Mexico, yes. which is the cheapest place on earth now yes. to build cars. Yes. Why not build there if it really gets out of control with the union? Well, we'll see what happens. But the reality is we have always been in America at our company. It costs us more, yes. It's not actually the reason why we have a cost problem. That is all actually within the company. So you're control. telling me, is that because each part in an ICE engine has 400 people and there's a huge number of parts versus an EV? Yeah, they're, they're simpler vehicles. They're, they're, they're simpler vehicles to make. But on the other hand, you know, we believe that an American-made Blue Oval City in Tennessee or Kentucky built pickup truck, EV pickup truck, People will pay for that American technology. But I, what I worry about is that, again, when I go back to the cost side, people will pay for it. But you have to take costs so radically. You, yes. you were making projections, yes. Jim, that, frankly, a lot of people feel, why, why are you doing this? Why are you setting us up for failure? Because we have to have a sustainable company. Our job, my job as a CEO, our job as a management team is to be fully competitive. The cost targets that we have are cost delivery that our competitors are making. It is, it, it, I just have to get to that competitive level. Okay, but the Fed is raising rates. They obviously are willing to take a recession, I think, in order to stop inflation. You are not making that much money in your Ford Credit anymore. You had a right. bad Ford Credit quarter. I mean, is, it, is the country set up for what you need? It looks like the I country's see. slowing down. Well, I, I, we believe, look, we've never had the growth, we, we had a full share point of growth, profitable growth last year. Same, we're on track for right. this year. Okay, so that's, that's good news. People want our pro vehicles. They want our Raptors. They want our Broncos. They want these new products from Ford. The issue is we see pricing coming down because people are producing more. That's okay. That means our costs have to get in line, which they are. They're improving. But it must be, you really do want to make it here. You want to invest in America. Yes. That's how your grandfather did it. That's how you want to do it. Yeah, that's, that's why I came from Toyota to Ford. Personally, this is a mission for all of us to restore the competitiveness of our country as we make this transition to digital, you know, and, and fantastic zero, propulsion, you know, zero emission vehicles. We are totally on a mission, Jim. Okay, so let's talk about current sales. Where are you starting incentives? I hear that there are incentives coming back. Yes, well, <laughs> yeah, the competitive environment is, is happening. But, you know, it's a very modest level of incentives. The, the stocks are improving for customers. That's good for customers. The level of incentives from our competitors is, is you know, we're starting to see uh, more discounting. Actually, the dealers started to well, discount more. Tesla's you know. discounting again, yes. and they don't. They can change prices as they want. You've got a. You've got a. You have a sales network that yeah. can't do that. What is the advantage of a sales network versus what must just look at the numbers and saying, "I'm cutting right here, right now." Okay, look. Uh, Norway is 50% electric, and it has been for 10 years. I don't like. Why is Farley Norway. talking about Norway? Because Norway is a view into the future of retailing for EV vehicles okay. because they've been so high on EVs for so long. You go there, Tesla's got dealerships. 
Okay? No one sees it, but if we took a plane, you and me, and went to Nor, you go, oh my God, look at all these Tesla dealerships. Why do they need them? Because the reality is the cars wear out. They get in accidents. You need a place to ask questions. You need physical repair. If you have an accident with your Tesla or you have an accident with your Mach-E, we, we have a completely different experience, better experience than, than they do. All right, last question. If you woke up tomorrow and California said, we are not going to let ICE in. We are only going to let EV in. What do you do? Well, the secondhand vehicle market is going to be very exciting there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, uh, look, what, what we do is we always do. We've been in business for 120 years, not because we're old, because we always love innovating. We will bring electric vehicles. We will bring the technology to customers that they need. Well, I tell you, we are going to be in one of your vehicles. Jim Farley, CEO of Ford. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Coming up. Kramer is fluent in finance, but is Fed speak a tongue too far? We crack open the FOMC to English Dictionary next. to the Fort Michigan Assembly Mod Center in Wayne, Michigan. Last week, the Fed decided to skip raising interest rates, but their overall message was very hawkish, indicating that more rate hikes are likely on the way, perhaps starting at the next meeting in July. This week, we have another Fed-related hurdle, like I mentioned at the top. A deluge of speeches from Federal Reserve officials. Nine of them are scheduled for 11 speaking events over the next four days. And that makes me particularly nervous. Yes, I am worried because... For the first time in a long time, there seems to be a tremendous amount of division on the open market committee. Normally, I don't like playing this parlor game of betting on the Fed's next few moves. But right now, we have zero clarity, which makes these speeches much more impactful than they usually would be. And yes, we're truly clueless. Even the Fed doesn't seem to know what they're going to do next. If you look at the so-called dot plot chart from their latest economic projections booklet, you can see where committee members expect to stop hiking. The so-called terminal rate, two officials believe the Fed's already done. Four expect one more rate hike. Half the committee's betting on two more rate hikes. But then another two Fed heads won three more rate hikes. And one particularly hawkish central banker wants four, meaning a terminal rate of six to six and a quarter. They're all over the map. I don't like the terrain. And this week, we found out where they're coming from. First, Austin Goolsby, probably see him a lot on CNBC, the Chicago Fed president, speaks tomorrow. He's one of the more dovish members. He's likened to the latest pause to a reconnaissance mission. He sounds like he wants to stop tightening, but needs to see more evidence before he'll truly be convinced. On the other side of the spectrum, you've got Loretta Mester, president of the Cleveland Fed, and she is incredibly hard. Sell, 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 sell. Didn't even want to pause last week. She's not a voting member this year, which is good if you want the Fed to stop bringing the pain. But bad if you're very worried about inflation. Her nickname should be Recession. Recession Mester. Got a nice read to it. Other Fed heads are tougher to pin down. John Williams, the president of the New York Fed, spoke today. Speaks again on Sunday. He used to be a reliable dog, but he's gotten increasingly hawkish as inflation refuses to go down for the camp. Then there's James Bullard, president of the St. Louis Fed. He was one of the first to sound the alarm on rising inflation back in 2021. But now he seems less concerned. When he last spoke in early May, he acknowledged the Fed's aggressive policies have made a lot of progress on the inflation front, although he added that we need to see meaningful declines in inflation before he'd be willing to stop tightening. I don't know if the cooler CPI and PPI numbers w- w- were enough for him. We, we, I just can't 
I know this. I am a bored man. He does the most empirical work, gets his hands dirty, and knows all too well that the Fed has the power to bring down not just the economy of our country, but economies around the world. He knows the power. Of course, the most important Fed-related remarks this week will come from Chairman Jay Powell when he addresses the Congress on Wednesday and Thursday. First the House, then the Senate. While the open market committee is all over the map right now, Powell still holds up the most sway. I think they'll follow his lead, which is why you've got to pay attention when he goes to Capitol Hill. Remember, the Nasdaq peaked in November 2021, right when Powell told Congress he was ready to take a much hawkish, much more hawkish line on inflation. I'm a little worried this time. Because it seems like a no-win scenario for Powell. The Republicans want him to raise rates more aggressively. The Democrats want him to stop. And there's no convincing either side because these positions are politically motivated. And given that there's an election next year, well, it's probably all you need to know. When the Fed gets really serious about rolling back inflation, not just stopping it, but rolling it back, it causes big layoffs. And that's generally not good for the party in power. What does this mean for your portfolio, most importantly? Probably nothing good. Without many corporate earnings to report and to talk about in the next couple of weeks, and because there's so much uncertainty about the Fed's next moves, you can expect major overreactions anytime a Fed official says something that might hold a clue to our central bank's next move. Hence why I'm calling for some caution here. And I told investing club members the same thing over the weekend in a long memo. And when you consider that housing inflation remains stubbornly high, I expect the Fed to be fairly merciless because they can only make housing cheaper by throwing tons of people out of work. Given how much the market's run over the past eight months, I think you got to be extra cautious here. Because, well, how about even this? Take some profits if you haven't already. Bottom line, many of these Fed officials will make hawkish noises this week, which tends to make Wall Street freak out. But more important, they'll likely be contradicting each other. Buy, buy, buy! Sell, sell, sell! Which is also very bad news. Because the market hates few things more than it hates uncertainty. And those folks are not only breeding uncertainty, I'm beginning to believe they're uncertain themselves. Bottom line, many of these Fed officials will make hawkish noises this week, which tends to make Wall Street freak out. But more important, they'll likely be contradicting each other, which is just flat out bad news, because the market hates few things more than it hates uncertainty, and that's what we're gonna get. Mad Money is back after the break. Around here for Mad Money, which happens to be powering this soundboard. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad? Over the lightning round, Kramer's Mad Money. Let's start with Susan in Wisconsin. Susan. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing well, Susan. I how are you? Stock. I'm doing pretty good. Um, my stock is Luminar Technologies. Well, Susan, that's very risky. They're not making any money. You know, I don't recommend stocks on the show that are losing money. It is too dangerous for me. Let's go to Toby in Tennessee. Toby! Jim, booyah! <laughs> booyah, what's happening? IEP, they say it's a Ponzi scheme, but Icon owns dangerous, 80%. Too it doesn't matter. It's too dangerous for me. I want to see more information. I'm not really sure what's in it. I don't like that. Steve in Virginia. Steve. Booyah. I had a question. I bought Verizon for the dividend about 18 months ago, but it's down. I'm down about 25%. Buy, hold, or sell? 
No, I think you'd hold it, but I, I, that, I don't like the fact that it yields seven. Strangely enough, I don't like it because it means it's maybe a questionable payout. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. Plenty of juice and ready to joust? We have the largest charging network already before Tesla. Get charged up for the next round in the Tesla Ford Heavyweight Saga. Next. Sometimes you have to get out of town to see for yourself. Sometimes you have to strap yourself to the mast, or at least to the car and find out what a CEO is really thinking. That's a big reason why our amazing team plans a trip like this to Ford's Michigan Assembly Modification Center for our Invest in America series. While we don't descend like college game day, we can make an assembly line stop, or at least slow, in our presence as the Rangers and Broncos rumble off the line. You often can't tell what the secret sauce of success might be or what the real confidence level is in the numbers, in the cost-cut plan, in the ability to generate profits from these famous nameplates that America and increasingly the rest of the world knows and loves. The passion isn't hidden. It just can't get through the four walls and two dimensions of Zoom. You never know whether this town, this place, that man, Jim Farley, can really pull off what's a monumental straddle from internal combustion engines to electric vehicles, at least not until you see it in person. I think Farley's one of those CEOs who's too competitive not to win. And winning in this case isn't just about selling more vehicles at higher prices with more miles or shorter charge time. Winning is the very soul of this man to triumph over the world's economies with better, more exciting cars and trucks, unimaginably so. In the end, I know I'm rooting for Farley. I always say that you should save rooting for the ballpark, for the stadium. I know that I felt this way before I ever got here. But after today, well, take a look at this exchange. All right, I just had this unbelievable Mustang experience, and it makes me think, i got to ask you, what's the difference between you and Musk when it comes to what we're doing here? I think it's because I love cars. Uh, I've always been Jimmy Car Car. And uh, <laughs> the reason is because uh, cars are my life, and uh, like it is for Bill Ford and a lot of our... But he's, his machines yeah. are his life. He's got the most beautiful machines. Not, what do you have? These are emotional products. We... We buy cars to express ourselves. That's why people buy a Bronco. That's why they buy a Mustang. And they'll still be buying EVs that way. I, I believe that I need to stay fresh with the customer. The customers want these kind of experiences. You have to fit, understand it almost to the psychological level. And does your dealership help you in terms of figuring what they want? Yes, because It's they, a positive. Yes, absolutely. They call me all the time and say, Jim, customers like this, they don't like that. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that. You know, it keeps us fresh. It keeps us connected with customers and all the different kinds of customers. Well, do the young customers like to do some of the things that we did? Yeah, and, we did line lock. We did drift. But if I had a Tesla X or whatever, wouldn't I be doing all this? No, there's no line lock on <laughs> There's no way to burn, burn down the tires on a Tesla. You know, they can do acceleration great, but we build drifting and line lock because customers love Worldwide that Worldwide or is that just an American thing? Worldwide. Worldwide. Really? People in Sweden, people in Australia, they love this American idea of a, of a freedom machine. A freedom machine. Thank you very much. <laughs> to Jim Farley and the good men and women at the Ford Motor Company, we say thank you for letting us in. Thank you for showing us your best. Thank you for your ingenuity, innovation, and unimaginably good products that have been time-tested 
for 120 years and counting. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise it's just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.